Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief. With Marks and Spencer. On News Talk. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk 087-1400-106 is our WhatsApp number. Our email address is afternoon at newstalk.com or you can follow us on Twitter. It is time for Movies and Booze. Chris Wasser, Fanula Jones and Mick O'Connell join us uh, once again. Good afternoon to you all. Good Hi afternoon. Uh, so Mick, we'll start with you. One of your wines is a rosé but doesn't look like a rosé. It's it's quite a deep coloured rosé. Yeah, it's Guttagau's Winifred. So this is from Bergenland in Austria on the, on the Hungarian border. This is a cult natural wine but from quite deep coloured red grapes. Right. Blau Frankish and Zweigelt. Yeah, but if you looked at it and you'd say that was a glass of red wine, then what's the difference? If you know um, what I mean. So so when you're making when you're oh that was a bit fizzier than I expected. Partey. Oh, right, okay, yeah, it still looks kind of ro- rosé-ish. It's, it's, it's definitely on the darker spectrum of rosé, yeah. but on the would be on the very light spectrum of red. To make rosé wine, you use red grapes and you just keep them the juice turning into wine in contact with the skins for a short amount of time. Mm. So most of the kind of pale rosés, like the Provencal style, Whispering Angel, all those guys, they're about an hour, two hours, three hours tops with contact of skins and juice. And so, then what do they do? And, and then they ferment the juice separate to the skins. So skins go off to make brandy, grappa, wherever you are in the world. And juice is fermented separately. So is there somebody whose jo- job is to be a grape peeler? Um, that, or that, do they have a grape peeling machine? That, that would be quite a cool job, yeah. actually. Um, I, I, hopefully you'd be paid by the hour on that <laughs> yeah. one because I, it'd take a while. No, so, so grapes all go into a press and they have these new pneumatic presses, particularly for that style of wine, like the Whispering Angel vibe, where you're looking for this clean, refreshing style of wine. They go into a pneumatic press it's basically inside that a bladder that's pushing up against the walls. They press them really, really lightly. Juice comes out the bottom and then skins go out one side. Right. So they're, okay. they're effectively oh, crushing them. Yeah. They, what will happen in that case is there'll be another press just down the hall and they'll really, really squeeze the grapes, that what's left over the juice in the skins, and they'll make a cheaper wine out of that. Nice um, one. And uh, what's our second wine today then? Second wine is called is a producer called Pepe Mendoza. It's from Alicante. Um, this is quite odd grape varieties. It's Monastrel. It's Giro, which is a, a really quirky one. You, yeah, I never a, heard of that. Yeah. To be honest, neither have I. Yeah. You know, wow, it's, it's, the okay. kind, it's the kind of thing, like I know one other producer making Giro. I have no idea what uh, a kind of single variety Giro should be like. Aren't you a master of wine? I am. Shouldn't you know that then? You know this Google? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I, there was like some sort of like Jedi stuff when you got yeah. to be a master of wine, you yeah. knew them all. I think You could I think feel like, them in the force. Yeah, like lo- like lots of things. <laughs> it is just an exam. <laughs> yes. and it's like okay. if, you're, if you're okay at passing exams, they'll let you in. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, like like with most jobs. Uh, right, so, uh, Chris, Wicked uh, Little Letters, is is it a bit like, um, see how they run the thing that Saoirse Ronan was in a couple of years ago, yeah. this kind of quirky English comedy thing? Yeah, that's it, actually. Yeah, that would, it would make for a, a cosy uh, Sunday afternoon double bill, actually. Although one is significantly swearier than, than the other. Wicked Little Letters is... Oh, right, is, yeah, okay. Good. It's sweary stuff, um, yeah. and it's great. Um, so, yeah, we're going to look at that, which is a film that unites, uh, reunites uh, Jesse Buckley and Olivia Coleman because they did work together uh, a couple of years ago on Maggie Gyllenhaal's The Lost Daughter. They were both nominated for Academy Awards there, but they actually 
couldn't share a scene together in the film because they played the same person. Yes, at different right. points. In their okay, life. yeah. Um, <laughs> so finally, they actually do get to share a scene together and create some fireworks. And then the second film is Memory with uh, Jessica Chastain and Peter Sarsgaard. Uh, Peter Sarsgaard actually won the Volpe Cup for Best Actor at Venice last year. So I think when, when he won that, that's sort of. Uh, I mean, it's it's weird to think that Oscar season starts with Venice it starts with those European film festivals yeah, back yeah. in September and that was uh, the festival where Colin Farrell last year won Best Actor and that started him on his Oscar glory so when Peter Sarsgaard actually Crikey. won the award for this film I think everyone thought his name was going to be in the running for the Oscars it's not and we'll have a look at why when I'm reviewing the film yeah and and because it doesn't, I'm, my general impression hasn't got great reviews. Um, some some reviewers have thought it's um, it's quite decent. I think they were uh, impressed with the performances by Jessica Chastain and Peter Sarsgaard, which I was. And then others are calling out the the storytelling and the dialogue, which is a little bit uh, it's a bit wobbly at times. So yeah, it's um, I'll talk a bit more about it in, a, in yeah. a bit. But it is actually it is one of those films where it's like great performances. I'm not sure about the film. Ah, oh, right. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, right. So a uh, True Detective has been it's only just finished and and they've renewed it. Yes, uh, for another series. season five. But I'm not sure if people were expecting it because it seems to have been pretty divisive. Did you watch it? I did, yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, Chris in the middle of it, so I'm conscious of not spoiling it for him. But I also enjoyed it. I'm not sure everything worked, but I thought Jodie Foster and uh, Callie Rice, incredible performances. Um, it's become the most watched True Detective ever. Um, so that would obviously explain why they want to renew it. It's Issa Lopez is coming back again. So she's the creator of this True Detective Night Country, um, as opposed to Nick Pizzolatto, who created the franchise mm, overall. Yeah. He's an executive producer on this particular season, but he has not been happy about season four at all. He's only involved like as a credit. Like yeah, he's actively yeah. been out on social media, kind of. He's rolled back on a lot of these comments and like d- like done a dirty delete on Instagram stories calling the series stupid and What, season like five that. or season four? Season four, the current yeah. season that just finished. We oh, don't right, know right. a lot oh, about sorry. season five right. Okay, and so he didn't like it. He didn't like it, no. Is it because it was girls uh, doing this? I, I think there's a little bit of this. Now, I will also say there are callbacks in the season that's just finished, season four, to season one. I don't think he particularly enjoyed that and those kind of tenuous connections. I think he was criticising that as well, which I think he might have a point about, but he's also essentially now, like, he made this Instagram post so that people could comment and, like, give out about the show and, you know, like, Callie Rice herself has come out and said, you know, it's a shame that he didn't like it, but he's obviously just criticising it because he's nothing better to do or nothing better to say whatever so I don't know just a, a very strange it's very strange to see where this um, where yeah. the franchise has gone Did they uh, given that uh, they've renewed it have they given any hint at all as to where it will be no, it's Issa Lopez again, as I mentioned. But uh, like with True Detective, there's usually a new cast, so like I don't. Yeah. It's not. It's not. I, I could be wrong in this, but I don't think it's a continuation of Night Country. I think it's oh, going to no. be yeah. its own yeah. standalone. No, because uh, I was wondering, and this isn't a spoiler, Chris, but okay. in, in the final episode, there is a bit where Jodie Foster is holding a, a, a rather large mug that says Hawaii on it. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, the whole thing I, and I end. thought that's a bit weird, given where you are. <laughs> yeah. and maybe it's a little joke, but maybe it's a you know yeah. a nod forward. Uh, did you notice though, and this isn't a spoiler, but like in so many, well, first, why would you live in this place? Uh, and secondly, everybody's house was so poorly insulated. Yeah. It seems just it. wooden sheds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one thing that I did like about it though I liked the sense of place even though they shot in Alaska or in Iceland they didn't shoot it in Alaska but oh, um, right. yeah it's I loved that it was like real frosty and just kind of a very good sense of place and as I said the performances again I love Jodie Foster give her the world I know she's great and and it was but that was I suppose the me- and the, the 
the atmosphere, the town of Ennis yeah. was kind of a, a, the main character. Yeah, and really good really, performances was... from Fiona Shaw and Dermot yeah. Irwin as well. Yeah. I'm going over how many Irish connections there were in some ways it was. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it's such a shame that your man Nick Pizzolatto is taken to Instagram to join like trolls that are just hating on True Detective. It's like there's something wrong with you. Like the, if you if you're 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 slagging off your colleagues and your coworkers yeah. online, it just does not look good. And also, he hasn't done a good thing since the first season of True Detective. He was in charge of the second season, which was all over the place. And the third, the, uh, did he write and direct the, the third one? I'm not. I think so. I think I th- yeah, I think season think- four was the first one where he was like, "I'm having nothing to." Do with this bye bye. And what's season he doing? Three is good. What's he doing at the minute? Couldn't tell you. He's so, just on. Yeah. He's just on. You know, he's, just, he's, he's sitting, he's sitting his in his basement on his yeah. phone yeah. the whole time. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, uh, someone says having a clue what was going on in True Detective. Uh, you did have to pay attention. That's true. Uh, Caroline says in True Detective, your man who slagged it off just came off as a misogynist. All the retweets he did were uh, right wing men who didn't like women being in charge. Bitter little men at being fired. Mm. Uh, and someone else says didn't like season four. America, uh, True Detective, uh, very long, drawn out, and overly far fetched. Okay, I don't, I don't it, agree with that. It's drawn yeah, out. Is no, it I did lean tight. into the kind of weirdy mystical thing. Yeah, a but, bit, I, but I not liked too that. Much. Yeah, I liked that it was genuinely yeah. spooky in parts. Yeah, though the way it ties itself up isn't. It was yeah, all ghoulies and it ghosties. It was all a dream, you know, right? yeah. Well, well, I appreciate not, not the lengths that you're both going to, 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 to avoid. No, sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing it on you. Thanks yes. very much. Uh, right, now, so, uh, Madam Web. Is so, like, is Sony kind of going to go broke over Madam Web or anything good like that? I don't know if they're going to go broke, but, like, it's flopping in a way that I don't think anyone could have anticipated in some ways. Like, this was supposed to be, there's a, a big piece about this in The Hollywood Reporter this week. Like, this was supposed to set up another franchise which Dakota Johnson was fronting, but yeah. it's doing so badly at the box office. Like, even if you compare it to, it's often compared to Morbius from 2022, which was yeah. also panned, 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 but that went on to make 170 million worldwide. Like, this is only after making, I think it's 26.2 million opening, in, and that's just in the States, but like, it just feels like it's going to crawl to even get anywhere near that number that Morbius got to. And it even, I, because I thought it was going to be a thing where people, would go. It would be kind of camp, and people are going to watch to like hate watch it. But it yeah. doesn't even seem like people are doing. It's not that. even yeah, good bad. Yeah, it's just bad bad. Yeah. yeah. So like there was this franchise with Dakota Johnson because obviously I don't think this is a spoiler, but her character is connected to Peter Parker, so it was supposed to kind of jump off of that. And also the other three supporting <laughs> characters uh, played by Celeste O'Connor, uh, uh, Isabel Merced, and Sydney Sweeney. There was potential like that they'd have something to do, but now it's just Sony are just apparently it's dire straits in there now with how they're talking about it like it's just I know what I'd say everyone's relieved at that even sure when they asked Dakota Johnson name three Spider-Man films yeah. she went like Spider-Man here he comes I'm sorry <laughs> but that was also one of the funniest answers I've ever heard she's, <laughs> she's a great celebrity Spider-Man 1, 2 and 3 <laughs> actually I think she's a good actor if she, if she has her ah, she is, she's quite yeah. good yeah. but I will say someone pointed this out on, on Twitter I refuse to call it X someone pointed this out already that um, I don't think Dakota Johnson has the credentials to be to act as though she's this above a superhero yeah, film, it's yeah, like, and, yeah. I, and I do agree with that. Um, and I also think like you were probably pay, paid, you know, an obscene amount to star in this thing. Mm. Woke up a little bit of enthusiasm for 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 the press. I think the, the the marketing in the press has probably been more entertaining than the film. The film mm. is just abysmal. But isn't it like? Um because we had Brian Lloyd in, and he was saying something like it was supposed to be set in one year and yeah. then in post-production they decided to change what year it was Yeah, set they in. did, yeah. And they really, they hammer home. It was supposed to be set in the 90s and then at the last minute they adjusted it so that it could be set, I think, in the same sort of 
universe that Andrew Garfield Spider-Man is in and mm. that would be in the noughties so everywhere in the final cut there's a huge nod to the fact that it's 2003 there's a massive crazy in love Beyonce poster or there's a Britney Spears song on the radio it's like they're really trying to hammer home no we're in the noughties but then you look at the cars and you realise no that looks like the early or mid 90s um, oh. it's a mess they change dialogue afterwards so all the ADR all the overdubbing like it's like watching an old martial arts film where the dialogue does not sync up with, the, with what, the, <laughs> what the lips are doing it's all over the place. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you see, the thing is, I want to see it for that, but yeah. apparently oh, that's not even enjoyable. Drinks. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was 10 o'clock in the morning when I watched it, so there weren't a few drinks involved, but uh, yeah, do. Well, yeah. Wait, wait until it comes to streaming and then watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, oh, no, yeah. obviously I wouldn't pay money. Uh, <laughs> even get out of bed, uh, for that matter. Uh, right, so Mick, uh, tell us what, uh, what wine we're going to be. So Quaffing we have Gut Argo's Winifred, which is a, yeah, it's a, it's a cult natural wine producer, Guttago, which is Stephanie and Edward. Okay. And is that, that's Winifred on, on, on the is, label there. You, you'll know these. There's, there's a couple of different brands of wine that have quite iconic picture labels. One of them is Matsu from Spain, which are, they look like photographs of three mm. different age men. Um, Guttago are kind of stencil drawings of a family. And their idea is that there's grandparents, parents and kids. And each of those wines kind of fits into a pyramid of quality with the grandparents being the best, parents being okay. the kind of next most age worthy and the younger generation being fun, fruity, a, a bit of crack. Okay. But these are definitely gluggable styles yeah. of wine. So this is this is Blaufrankisch and Zweigel, two grape varieties that really they're, they're only from Austria. So a lot, of, a lot of listeners won't be familiar with these varieties. Um, Blaufrankisch, to my mind, is a little bit like Syrah Shiraz in terms of the style, but you do get this quite dark colour. Here, so I should say, most red grapes, they have white flesh inside them mm. and the skin is red. Yeah. So it's, you can make a white wine out of red grapes and it's just about how long you keep the skin in contact with the juice as to how dark it is. So here there'll be, this will be a couple of days of skin contact as opposed to a couple of hours, which is the Provençal style. Yeah. Um, but Gutago are major natural wine guys. They are big proponents of biodynamics. So biodynamics is like supercharged organics where they kind of follow all the lunar modules. They do all these kind of relatively hippie preparations like <laughs> one of the preparations preparation 500 is them burying cow manure in a cow horn has to be buried under one uh, moon kind of phase okay. and, then and that's taken preparation out. 500 preparation that sounds like 500. a skin cream or something um, <laughs> then it has to get taken back out under a different phase of the moon and then sprayed onto the soil and then you've preparation 501 is a silica spray that gets sprayed onto the leaf all okay. this kind all of right. odd yeah. stuff that goes on did they grow anything apart from grapes on that vineyard I do wonder <laughs> you never know in California that's quite a big deal yeah. Yeah. It's, well it's, it's true take, it's legitimate business yeah. yeah taking over from grape growing no I, I don't think that's quite happened in Austria just yet. <laughs> soon, I'm sure, soon. But but these wines, I have to say, the biodynamics, the natural, you can kind of take or leave that aspect of it and focus on whether they're delicious or not. I just think this is so delicious. It's, it's, yeah. it's such an unusual taste, so it's hard to mm. kind of 
compared to anything it's yeah and super mouth-watering the second you put it into your mouth you're kind of you want to take another sip you want to take another sip and this is so food friendly so you can do this with with food that you think is white wine food so fish chicken all that kind of stuff you can absolutely do this with red wine food Mm. You know, traditional meat, what, whatever you want. They, they, it works with absolutely everything. Yeah. But the, the big thing with a wine like this is it's fun. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's our first wine. What's our, what's our first movie going to be, Chris? Uh, we'll go with Wicked Little Letters. Movies and booze on Moncrief. With Marks and Spencer. On News Talk. <laughs> this is all of them. Dear Edith, you foxy ass old Holy heavens. No. Carry on. Don't worry about me, Constable. I rise above it. You really are a trick You belong in hell, probably. And you're a sad, stinky as well. In the end, I think it's just jealousy. That's uh, excellent beeping there, uh, it should be said. Uh, I think you got the gist of that anyway. Was that a, is that a typical scene, Chris? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, there's, a, yeah, there's an awful lot of swearing here. Oh, right, uh, so, and he's re- that's why it's called Wicked Little Letters. Yes. Because... There's a letter being written. There's a letter being written. Um, several of them, in fact. Uh, and this film is actually based on a demented true story where the uh, residents of a town, Littlehampton and Sussex, were all basically sent these anonymous letters uh, that were full of uh, profanity and accusing them of things that were just bananas. Uh, yeah, they're just just this town, which everyone in the town got, got, a, got a letter to the door and nobody really knew <laughs> who it was. Um, but rather than adapt it straight, you have Thea Sherrick and Johnny Sweet kind of giving it, the, as I said, that cosy Sunday afternoon sort of uh, British comedy feel. Um, but they've kept the swearing, thankfully. Um, and you have a case where, uh, at first, it's just this woman, Edith Swan. She's the only one at first who's receiving the letters. Um, and her mother is appalled. She thinks that she's a nervous wreck, that you know she's played by Gemma Jones and she thinks the letters will send her to an early grave. Timothy Spall is this Bible quoting Bible bashing father who who just you know wants action to be taken immediately you know marches down to the police station with all these letters uh, and then Edith Swan is uh, she's this God fearing woman who's basically just never really gone beyond the town it's like her, it's like her father won't let her leave home um, and they all think it's um, the woman next door who's writing these letters uh, her name is Rose Gooding and they think it because she is chatty she is confident she's always up for a laugh she says what's on, on her mind and she's Irish which means it ah, must be horror right, it has right. to be horror now obviously Rose played by uh, Jessie Buckley who's brilliant here uh, she says why would I send letters when I can just say the thing and I have said what I thought yeah. um, but they think it's her because Edith and Rose for a minute were friends when Rose sh- showed up with her daughter and her boyfriend they thought they actually had a, a nice friendship going on uh, but the father wasn't keen you know he thought look at this woman who has a child out of wedlock and she says too much she says what's on her mind it has to, you know he I, he might have broken up the friendship but he thinks that it's her writing the letters the police they have no evidence but they arrest her so the rest of the film becomes this thing where you know it's not Rose so who is it and it falls then to a police officer uh, the only female police officer in the town to kind of you know bypass her head of all male colleagues and try and figure out if not Rose then who right okay uh, so it, it, it uh but is is it mostly a comic film or is oh, yeah, it a bit yeah. of a whodunit? Oh yeah, well? I mean, if you're paying attention, you'll figure out who who done it in the first fifteen minutes. Oh right, and, okay. and it's it's very obvious <laughs> who who's writing these letters. So it becomes about this thing where you, you you're thinking 
no one could write a, no one could make a, a proper mystery it's a proper it's a mystery without a proper mystery because it's impossible to make a drama out of because it gives itself up so quickly um so i think the, the aim here is to make people laugh um but also but that isn't to say that, that it hasn't got a heart because it is quite sweet and i think there's a reason why jesse buckley and olivia Cohen were hired for this because they are very good with comedy i mean olivia Coleman, she delivers one-liners better than yeah, anyone else yeah. in the business and Jesse Buckley is kind of playing a variation. She's kind of playing a character who's not entirely dissimilar from the one she played in Wild Rose. Also, another character named Rose. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's, and, and, which is to say that she's got an awful lot going on in her personal life. But you know, she also, you know, she's up for a laugh. She'll make, she'll make you laugh. Um, but there's a reason why they were hired because they they are good with that comedy, but they're also good with the drama here because Rose, you know, she does have maybe have a bit of a, a tragic past there. Uh, Edith, uh, you know, there's a tremendous sadness there where you know she's clearly. She hasn't led the life that she wanted. And, you know, she's terrified of her father. Um, and she kind of takes a little bit of pleasure in in, in seeing her father so annoyed. And they, and, and, and also the, the fact that the whole town is talking about it because it brings her attention and she just wants to, to oh have God. friends. So, yeah, so there is a sweetness here and there is a, a sadness there. Um, and, and, you know, this, this film has been getting um, some average reviews. And I don't really... There was a one-star review in The Guardian there a while back, oh, which crikey. I thought was just... just uh, outrageous to be honest because I think everyone here is working hard Timothy Spall is brilliant Jesse Buckley and Olivia Coleman. as I say it's great to see them actually share a scene together because they just create fireworks and I think it should be mandatory that every other year now they get together and make a film. <laughs> um, but at the time before, did they even meet each other? I wonder, given that they were saying this, uh, probably their shooting days would have been different. They would have been different, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah because I think in that film, so Olivia Coleman's character is always on holidays, and then we're seeing Jesse Buckley. Uh, is it back in England? I don't think they actually would have been on set at the same yeah. time. Um, huh. So yeah, they should make more films together. Um, I think it's, look, it, it does run out of steam maybe a little bit. Uh, and as I said, it is a mystery film without a mystery, but I didn't care. It's very funny. It is very sweet. It's brilliantly acted. Give it a go. Yeah. Is there a slightly, because it, it sounds like it's, very sweary. Yeah. It's in this kind of twee depiction of England. Is it, is it kind of picture oh, postcard oh. England we're talking about? Oh, it's a cartoon. Yeah. But yeah. I was okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and it's set immediately after the First World War. And, ah, you're, thinking, right, and, and, okay. you're, and you're thinking to yourself, this place should be, you know, everyone should be maybe, you know, on a, on a bit of a downer at this yeah. stage. You know? <laughs> uh, but no, the, the residents of Littlehampton, everyone's actually, uh, aside from the, 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 the only police officer who, who is, you know, who thinks that Rose is innocent and, think, and it seems to be the only one interested in, in launching or in pursuing a an investigation to find the real culprit everyone else is in good form um, so yeah it is a cartoon version of England but I was okay with that okay and this is in cinemas it is in cinemas from today yeah yeah uh, someone says that's mad I saw a four star review for that movie yet the Guardian gave it one star how can they be so contrasting I suppose it's just you can't opinion. explain us critics yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone else is wrong uh, yeah everyone else is wrong that's the reason uh, the dirty letter thing is a great idea I might send one to every resident of Hacksballs across uh, so if you do live there uh, uh, <laughs> brace yourselves uh, Brady uh, one of the best and most accurately damning reviews of Madam Webb said every line reading feels like it's on a zoom delay <laughs> Uh, someone else suggests that perhaps Madam Web and uh, Catwoman should now a uh, Catwoman should be released so they can have a kind of a a, a fight off to see which is the worst film, uh, which is uh, 
Not necessarily a bad idea. <laughs> uh, right, there's going to be, uh, they, well, they've set the date at least for uh, now, a, a new season of The Boys is coming back. Is this now the end of the, is the beginning of the end of the writer's strike or the effects of the writer's strike? Yeah, because this would have been kind of long delayed because of the writer's strike, I'm pretty sure. Now, we still have a while to wait for this. Um, it's out in June 13th, so I have up until then to actually watch it all because Brian Lloyd is always recommending this to me, but I still haven't watched. Um, so the first three episodes are coming to Amazon Prime uh, June 13th and the season is only eight episodes total, so it's short. But um, yeah, oh, it's only oh, it's a, right, it's a yeah. short season. So it's yeah. uh, first three episodes, June thirteenth, and then it's an episode a week, right week after that. So okay. this is kind of um, Prime's like main property, I would say. Like this is the one that I think people keep their subscriptions for. But again, it's just passed me by. I just haven't uh, watched. Yeah, it's it, about but. the only thing I can think of that came out in Amazon Prime where it had a scintilla of originality to like it. Like prestige yeah. kind of wide-ranging audience, yeah. Yeah, and it's funny, but it's also kind of a bit disturbing. Yeah, I've heard it's very graphic, very... Oh, no, it's very... It's very it, but it's, like, because they're all superheroperos. Yeah, that, that, sorry, yeah, but, but the premise like, is they're all superheroes, but yeah, it's but kind of the real world. they're owned by a corporation and, yeah. like, the one with all the powers is a complete psychopath. Yeah. So that's very kind of unnerving because he can just do whatever he wants. Yeah. Uh, basically. Ooh. And uh, uh, David Crumb holds begged to be the thing. Yeah, so we talked about yeah, Four. Yeah, we talked about Fantastic out. Four casting, I think it was last week, for this new reboot. And When's he, that coming out? 2025. Ah, so we're right, talking right, off air about all yeah. the Marvel properties yeah. states kind of moving around. So I think this swapped with the with Blade, I want to say. I'm not sure anyway, it's 2025. Um, so we've a wide wait for that as well. But yeah, he, uh, David Crumholtz in Oppenheimer most recently might also be remembered as being Bernard, the elf in the Santa Claus that I fancied. Yeah. Or <laughs> the, fella <that> stabbed, <laughs> the fella that stabbed Lucy in ER. That's yeah. a very traumatic scene. Anyway, he was giving an interview this week where he said he, when rumblings of casting were starting initially, he put up this social media post in which he was essentially kind of begging to be cast as the thing and then deleted it after an hour or two. Um, but the director, I think it was, yeah, Matt Shackman met him and he said it was like the most embarrassing thing of his entire life to try and stand there. But he said he's kind of very much like, I really want to do a Marvel role. People like me that look like me don't usually get these Marvel roles. And The Thing or Ben Grimm is probably the best chance I have because obviously he's in like a lot of body makeup, big rocky thing. Fit, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. But he just wants like a big payday like the rest of them do. Yeah. Well, essentially, yeah, but he, yeah. Just, he just wants to say that, yeah. Yeah. I think Eben was the right casting and uh, Eben Moss backrack and he uh, also agreed. He said it's a really great choice. It makes way more sense in some ways. But he did say he wants to play Mole Man if that role ever comes up. Again, I'm not familiar with the comics, so I'm speaking... God, he, he's, not really, he's not really going for that, the, you know, the... The kind of handsome end of the superhero <laughs> spectrum. No. Uh, really? You're supposed to aim higher than Mole yeah. Man. Yeah. You would have thought, about Captain America? Chris Evans doesn't have that many years left yeah, in him. Like, yeah. it's a check. But, but like, why, why, like the Fantastic Four, there was a film before, wasn't it? God, it was years ago. There was, um, every was, time someone has tried, there was a, there was a Fantastic Four film made in the 90s that was never actually released. But you can watch, really? yeah, but you can watch bits of it on YouTube. Who's uh, that? Uh, I don't even know. It was like a TV, it was made for TV. Okay. Uh, and it was shot in the shoot. It was almost like the, you know, the old Spider-Man series from the 60s yeah um, where they actually shot the the action sequences in Japan and then added them to this American series it's all over the place it was a little bit like that it was so bad the studio wouldn't release it then you had the Chris Evans one which is so bad that now we just don't remember Chris Evans as the as the the torch we just remember Um, I do because I was 10 years old and I fancied him (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then they had one with um, with uh, Michael B. Jordan and and Miles Miles Teller Teller, yes God you that know, was that was flopped hard. You think after banging your head against the wall for that long, you'd stop? 
Like, there's just like, do, yeah, do not just stop making is it. it like, fantastic? Is that Marvel or DC? It's Marvel, Marvel, yeah. But Marvel and Marvel Studios now own the rights because they, Marvel Studios before the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, they didn't own the rights to that story for the film. Which sounds absurd. It's Marvel. They should have the rights yeah. to every character. Um, but they, I think they either the rights reverted to them or they bought them. So everyone thinks that they're going to do a good job. They might have done a good job with it six, seven years ago. But now their their films are not as clean. They're not as they're not as entertaining as they used to be. No, so and plus, well, I mean, okay, like here was a reboot of something they've tried three times. Yeah. But will they have to do this tortuous, bloody thing where they have to refer to everything that's happened in every other Marvel film because no. it's affected I us think all? They've, they're really looking at this as a clean slate because they think they're setting it in the 60s yeah. or 70s and it's in, like, ah, right, okay. it's in a parallel universe where none of the, the rest of them exist. So it's just them on their own. I think that's a very simplistic way of explaining it. I'm sure the Marvel people are screaming at me now. But yeah. no, it's not, as far as I'm aware, it's not referring back to anything. It's both, they wanted to be standalone. Okay. So that's they're just have a bit of writing at the start saying, in a parallel universe. Hopefully, because you yeah. think in the other Marvel films, someone would have mentioned the man made of elastic at some point. You know, yes, they mentioned yeah. the, 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 the rock fella who was up on the moon or yeah. something, you know? I don't know. Okay, yeah. Confusing. Well, I, I just assumed they weren't talking to each other. There was some sort of like celebrity beef. Uh, and, you know. The Fantastic Four. Yeah. Nobody, so, nobody liked the Fantastic Four. Because, mm. you know, they're a bit clean and middle class and, you know. They, they were like too that. posh. They were too posh, mm. really. I love that we're talking about them like the real people. Yeah, like the real people. <laughs> yeah. And when it came to the whole saving the world thing, where were they? At home. Yeah, at home. Yeah, yeah just not doing anything about it. Yeah. Right, okay, so fact them. Movies and booze on Moncrief. With Marks and Spencer. On News Talk. Here's a clip. Where'd you go to school? Woodbury. So did I. Really? Yeah. Now you remember me? No. Well, I guess people change after many years. But we didn't go to school together. Oh, I remember. (laughs) You really don't remember me? No. You remember Ben Goldberg? Yeah, we went to high school together. Yeah. He used to get me drunk after school. Mm. I was 12, he was 17. Okay. Uh, but that happens to everybody. Do you remember me? <laughs> and then you have to pretend you do, which is the worst thing. Mm. Yeah. But you're damned either way. Because if you don't remember them, then they get offended. And then if you do remember them and get it wrong, then they're, they know. They catch you fairly quickly. They do. Very yeah. quickly, yeah. Um, yeah, this film is a little heavier than than, than the last one. Uh, so you've got Jessica Chastain, Sylvia there, and Peter Sarsgaard, Saul. And what's happening there is that she reluctantly attends this high school reunion that her sister really wants to go to. She's not in the best place. Uh, she is a recovering alcoholic, single mother, living in an apartment she can barely afford in Brooklyn, uh, not in a great area. Um, she works as a carer, but the money's not really coming in. Her sister kind of gives her a few quid every now and then. And something happened to her in her past and her sister's just trying to get her to kind of live in the world again and says, come to this party. She goes to the high school reunion and a guy sits down to her ne- next to her at this party and just stares at her and smiles and doesn't say anything and his name is Saul played by Peter Sarsgaard as I say and he follows her all the way home and stands outside the house at night <laughs> okay even, this even, is a, yeah, a total I mean, creepy territory it's not a romantic now. comedy uh, no. and he stays there until he nearly catches pneumonia the next day his brother comes to pick him up and all is explained that he has early onset dementia 
and he, it, it seems that like he might remember her from maybe going to school, but he might also, she might also remind him of his late wife, uh, who he's actually having trouble remembering. Um, but when she goes to visit them, she thinks that he was part of a group of, uh, a group of men that sexually abused her when she was in school, but she actually has that wrong. Um, so the film is all about how her memory has started to deceive her while his memory has started to just completely disappear. And after they kind of patch things up, it's a very uh, long and laborious kind of meeting and getting to know one another. But once they actually start to get along, she actually becomes his carer. And this very complicated, knotted relationship ensues. There's actually a little bit of a romance that ensues between them. Um, so it is a phenomenal story, brilliant story from uh, a Mexican-American filmmaker named Michelle Franco, who uh, always has these sorts of films where, you know, he's kind of putting his protagonist through the ringer and there's an awful lot going on in the lives of, 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 his, of his characters. Nobody has an easy time of it in a Michelle Franco film, basically. Um, and wonderful cast. As I said, Peter Sarsgaard won the Volpe Cup for Best Actor. I think an awful lot of people thought that that was going to turn into a Screen Actors Guild Award nomination, maybe an Oscar nomination. Jessica Chastain is brilliant here. She actually made this straight after making The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is the film that she won the Oscar for. Yeah. Um, so she was coming off of a film where she was getting the best reviews of her life, all of these awards, and then going into this film that was shot for, you know, a fraction of the budget that that other one was shot yeah. for. Uh, so she is still, like, she still does make the, these pictures and she's brilliant in them and Sarsgaard is so, so good here. I just thought the film around them was so creaky. Um, it, it's, I, it just shows that you can have a great story, you can have brilliant actors, but if the things that they're saying to one another and if the way that it's staged and shot isn't good enough, then you have a problem. And I think at times it just, it all seemed a bit too mechanical. It all seemed a bit too forced. The line readings are quite mechanical. Like it's, a, it's like, um, it's like a stuffy play. Mm. One person will say one thing, breath. The other person will say another thing. And it's like, that's not the way you're making real characters here, but they don't sound like them. They, 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 these characters don't speak the way human beings speak. Um, you have scenes where an awful lot of, uh, these kind of static shots where the top of an, one actor's head might be cut off while another one is sitting down. And you always see one actor's face, but you never see the others. Yeah. And I think you're just missing out on so much, especially with a story like this and with those themes. Well, I assume that was deliberate, right? It is the deliberate. The cameraman was myopic or something. Yeah. I d- <laughs> <laughs> uh, not the response I was expecting. Yeah. But no, uh, I, I, it is very much deliberate. And maybe Franco is saying, look, you know, I'm kind of giving you fill in the blanks here you know yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is the way a person might see life you know they might miss out on other things that are happening in the room but I just I found this I found it actually unintentionally and this is a weird thing considering some of the themes that, that I brought up there some of the line readings are unintentionally funny at times and that shouldn't be the case Ooh. yeah I mean it is quite wobbly um, so yeah I, great actors they're just housed inside this film that's not doing them any favours god that's a yeah it's that's, extra- that's an extraordinary damnation of the director, given that, as you described yeah. it, this is a, a, essentially a two-hander. It is, yeah. Yeah, you do have some other people. You have um, uh, Sylvia's sister who comes in. You've got Josh Charles. Um, you know uh, Will from The Good Wife? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, the, right. yeah. Okay. He plays the uh, brother who's actually living in the house of Saul. Um, and he is trying to, he's trying to run his life, but I think he forgets his place that, you know, Saul's is a big brother and he hasn't completely lost his memory yet. And he, he can still, leave, you know, he can still leave the house. Josh, Josh Charles' character doesn't, you know, run his life. Um, so there are some good actors there. There are some good stories. I just wish someone else was, was managing it. Uh, yeah, it just reminded me of. Um, it felt like I was watching this muddled, mismanaged stage play, um, and that's just a shame because they are the performances here are so good. I just wish it was a better film. Oh God! Okay, but he's made half decent films before, as you said. They're not, yeah. you know, they're not exactly knockabout fun. No, they're not knockabout yeah. fun at all. No, no. Yeah. So yeah, so if you're in the mood for a comedy, go see Wicked the Wicked the Letters. If yeah. you want to feel bad about the world, watch this. Yeah. 
But do you know that, like, as a director, if you just keep cranking out tonally the same film, it must be very, I don't know, dispiriting. Yeah, I mean, but then, then again, like we celebrate other directors for doing that exact thing. You know, yeah. Jorgos Lanthimos, Chris Nolan, Wes Anderson. You know, they're celebrated for doing the same thing over and over yeah, and over sure. again. Um, yeah. But uh, no, for I, I just I, I, there's just something about his films that I just I wish like I wish that there was more room to breathe, and I wish he just kind of let the actors do their thing, and I wish he wrote dialogue that sounds like things that human beings actually say. Yeah. Now another. We are, you know, obviously the Razor strike is over, but they're still feeling the hangover uh, uh, of this and probably will for a while. And uh, actors are still, I'd say, struggling to get work a lot. Yeah, particularly in TV. And when I talk about this, I kind of mean more, obviously not the big, the big ones that you're seeing booked for the Netflixes or the, the, the Last of Us, even as an example. Deadline is this big report this week about how I think there was an assumption that after the strikes, there would be loads of people casting for things. And that's just not the case because we're seeing budgets being slashed. Um, like it's, there was a couple of other interesting tidbits from it. Um, obviously we talked about series are getting smaller, like with the example of the boys, like that's eight mm, episodes, whereas yeah. like back in the day, a series could have gone for 22 episodes like an ER yeah. that I mentioned earlier that yeah. went on for whatever. So we're seeing like series regulars not really being a thing anymore. They're not really a thing in series. Like there's a diminished kind of value for them just because there isn't as many episodes. Um, and then as well, I thought there was an interesting figure around there aren't as many pilots this year. Now this is specifically for the States but if you even look at 10 years ago there would have been 100 broadcast pilots I think in the works. This year it's just three which is Crikey. yeah it's it's crazy and again then again because you have this like you'd think there'd be a big thing of oh like we'll cast a load of stuff now we'll get a load of stuff in production but because of the strikes we don't have a lot of stuff for this year but 2025 is full then as a result you yeah, know yeah so I just thought it was um it was very but interesting. Is like, that the case that 2025 will probably be? 2025 is going to be chock-a-block, I would imagine. Even one of the ones we were talking about. I don't think we have an official date for this, and this is purely speculation on my part. But again, to use the example of The Last of Us, I'd imagine we'll get that 2025. Yeah, Trying to think yeah. of other big shows that are out at the minute. Like, yeah, yeah like I'd say 20, 2025 is going to be nuts all for shows. Okay. Has there been a, a kind of, is there that the same thing happening, Chris, in movies? That there's, there's a a fallow period. Yeah. Or maybe we're heading into a fallow period. I think we'll head into it. I don't think we're seeing the, 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 I don't think the hangover from the writer's strike has actually started yet. Yeah. But I think maybe in the summer there will be fewer blockbusters ready. Uh, or there will be fewer of the bigger awards, uh, awards buzz films uh, next year that, 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 that are ready because a lot of people, a lot of things were delayed and then some films were finished before others and maybe actors had to go off and work on one thing while waiting for another thing to finish. Yeah, it's, yeah. it'll be messy later in the year. And will there be any big tent pole, uh, tent pole films? This summer is actually summer. looking a little bit quieter. There's only one Marvel film. Uh, I think one of the biggest things is the, the, the Fall Guy with Ryan Gosling. Uh, uh, Twister's uh, a sequel to Twister. Uh, there's a couple of other things. Like, uh, the new, I, yeah, I know. The trailer looks yeah. good, yeah. I will actually, say. Yeah. The trailer actually looks wow. good. But like in the original Twister, like the, the script basically consisted of people saying run like what were you gonna do like, <laughs> and they were looking at it. Yeah, so keep running in this yeah. one yeah yeah. listen yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm totally in for that but uh, there are a few it's I think I think we'll start to see the effects of the strike towards the end of the year yeah yeah okay Right, let's move on to our second wine, Mick. So this is from a producer called Pepe Mendoza and it's in a region called Alicante known for stag parties and hen parties. Um, so kind of south We apologise to anyone from Alicante. 
Ireland no. has a rich cultural history. I'm, 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 I'm sure there is, uh. but, but but us Irish UK style folk, that's that's why we go down there. Yeah. There's, there's multiple Ryanair flights per week and it's people chasing sun and cheap booze. Okay. And, and this guy, Pepe Mendoza, I think is trying maybe to weave some of that rich cultural tapestry back into our understanding of what Alicante is about. Okay. So he is... A sustainable farmer. They've they've literally just this year won um, most sustainable winery in Spain. That was judged by two masters of wine, who I'm sure knew what Giro was. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, he, he farm. He does dry farming in this arid part of Spain. So dry farming just means that there's no irrigation. So a lot of Spain, you're allowed add water yeah. because it is hot and dry. Yeah, he is using bush vines on their own on roots that are going deep to search for water as opposed to putting in water. So, okay. so he's a he's really someone who's making wine in a super, super traditional way and using all kind of local grape varieties. And these are old grape varieties. So so they? this is Monastrel, Giro and Alicante Boucher. Monastrel is the same grape variety Mourvedre in France. Um, so oh, it's, yeah. it's in a lot of uh, blends from the south of France but but arguably this part of Spain is where Monastrel is kind of at its best it's really soft inky kind of like this is an unoaked wine but it feels full and rich mm. around it's like it, it's really quite a luxurious wine you can taste the mud off it though yeah, yeah. yeah. but you know it's yeah. brilliant I, yeah. I, I love that <laughs> bit of like the bit of rusticity that's mm. there Giro is the grape that I'd basically never heard of before and and you're talking 25% of the, of this is is that and and some people are kind of thinking maybe Giro is Grenache in in a different kind of space, but but it hasn't been proven. But you get some of the kind of delicacy and almost Pinot Noir esque kind of vibes that Gren- that uh, Grenache has, but it's it's much more acidic in terms of style, so it's much more refreshing. So with a big deep wine from Monastrel, you're getting the brightness as well so that you want to go back in for another glass. Mm. Um, but the last grape here is another weird one that you won't hear a lot of, but it's Alicante Boucher. And earlier I was talking about when you're doing rosé production, it's all about skin contact, red skins, white juice. Alicante Boucher is one of the few grapes called a Tenturier that has red flesh and red skin. So it gives really, really inky colour to wine. So you'll see that used in Portugal quite a bit. Yeah, and the, yeah, the colour of this is quite striking, Yeah, how, uh, how, how deep it is. What's the what's the ABV on that? This is good question. Fourteen percent, right? Okay. I, I have to say, I think this is great value. This is twenty five quid. You'll get yeah. an Avoca Mitchells, but like this is again, it's that for people who like full bodied, dry, velvety kind of styles of red, mm. but aren't maybe into the big oaky thing like yeah, that you'll get yeah. in Rioja. This is this is great. Uh, yeah, but and it's also a little bit different because you won't Absolutely. it won't remind you of seven other wines exactly. that are in a similar ballpark. Yeah. To- yeah. Totally unique. Yeah, that's lovely, Mick. Thanks a million. Uh, thanks to Chris and Fanula and and Mick. Movies and booze are Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk.